always been a disruptor. You can ask anybody I've ever worked with. Like I cause a lot of drama. I stir the pot. You've been in this industry for a long time. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how you're a CrossFit instructor. We'll talk about how you are a mom of a couple of kids that look exactly like you. No birth certificate is needed. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just like, really excited. Chrissy Olet, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'm excited. We cannot talk about work here. This cannot end up being a work meeting. It could be, but we, we, can't, we can't do that. We can't allow it. It can very easily pivot, for sure. Savannah will kill us, our head of marketing. Right. You, myself, and Savannah have been thinking about starting a podcast together, the three of us. Yeah, a, a really funny one. What would be the concept? Random thoughts from Chrissy, Nabil, and Sav. I feel like I am definitely the more boring of the three. You think? I, I, think, I, so. I think you're the most humorous of the three, for sure. Sure, but I feel like the two of you are way more interesting. Why? You guys are just like wild. You guys are just like, you know, so such high energy. You guys are, you know, nuts. I think that like it's interesting because the three of us are obviously each from different generations and different experiences in life. Sav is the baby. I'm kind of the old one, obviously, which is funny. I think back to like nine months ago when I joined Lunchbox, I was like the oldest person in the company, I think. I was like, we, we fixed it. We fixed I, I know. I'm so glad you hired a few people older than me. No, we <laughs> hired like a lot more. A lot yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, but we have a lot in common. You know, you and I connected over our background, our upbringing, our blue collar parents and life. Yeah. Like, would love to hear a little bit about that part of your journey. You know, it's interesting because when I was, let's say, 16 and I had the ability to look into like a glass ball, I would never have imagined that I would be where I am today. But I'm really happy the journey that I have gotten to take because it's been really, really exciting. And, you know, in my opinion, very successful. But like a little bit about my background. I grew up in a really, really tiny town in Virginia in the southwestern corner of Virginia, not to be mistaken for West Virginia, nothing against West Virginians, but very close. Like I could get to like West Virginia in like 30 minutes. I could get to Tennessee in like an hour. I could be in North Carolina in like an hour. So over in that little point, and that, that part of the country is really known as like the coal mining corner. And so my dad and my grandparents and all my uncles and pretty much like everybody I knew, all the kids that I grew up with, their parents worked in the coal mines. And so I am truly a coal miner's daughter. My dad even drove a truck for a little while, hauling coal from the mines to like other places. And so the, the town that I grew up in was tiny, like a couple of traffic lights and one high school there was two high schools in the entire county I grew up in. And I think my graduating class was like 197 people. So very, very, very small. Yeah, not a lot of diversity. And now fast forward to today, being able to work with people like yourself who grew up in Bangladesh and, you know, Hottie and uh, working with the guys from Turkey. Like it's really, really cool to be exposed to so many different cultures. But I did grow up very, very poor. Uh, I don't have a college education. I didn't graduate from college. I don't think everybody needs to go to college. Have all my kids? Yes. I don't necessarily think it's a necessity to be successful because I think there's still like a lot of things that people can do and lead a successful life. And, you know, we need 
plumbers and electricians and that sort of thing. But I got a really great opportunity back in 2005 that has kind of set me up for success. And I've worked really, really hard. Yeah. You still work really, really hard. I do. <laughs> Your journey started like a lot of us. You know, by the way, this is true, by the way. 50% of all Americans' first job was a hospitality job. I know your first job was, you know, bartending. I was a busboy. I think, you know, you went from hospitality to sales, you know, see paid and spot on. How was that transition like? How did you enter literally the sales force, but more so, you know, working closely with the spot on guys? We'd love to hear that part of your journey too. So I, I like literally started working in restaurants when I was 15. And I feel like I've worked like every position in a restaurant. Like across the board, I've washed dishes in the dish room. I've bussed tables. I have, I was a server. I was bartender, bar manager, GM. I worked on the expo line. Like I did all those things. And, you know, when you're trying to raise a family, that lifestyle is very, very difficult, right? Holidays, weekends, late nights, And hard to get out of too. It's one of the it, hardest. It is. It's so hard to get out of it. Yeah. You're so tired. You don't almost don't have the energy to get out of it. Yep. And I think like once it, it's, I, I think you, once you have that like hospitality in your blood, it's very, very hard to break away from. And also like the money is really good. I remember one restaurant that I worked at when I was pregnant with Lexi, my first daughter, I, I was making, and that was like 26 years ago. I was making like seven, 800 bucks a week. And like 26 years ago, that's pretty decent money to walk out of a restaurant with. So obviously with like trying to be a mom and raise my kids, I had to find something different to do so that I was available to take them to school, pick them up, you know, do the things that I needed to do and got into the payments industry, selling credit card processing back when it was really, really boring. And it was just credit card processing. There was no POS or there was no SAS to attach to it. It was literally basis points and pennies, maybe gift cards from time to time when gift cards first came out. So that was like back in 2005. And then I was, I started with RBS Link. If anybody's from the payment industry, they probably remember that name. That name doesn't exist anymore. They've been acquired. And then I was recruited by Central Payment, which is Zach and Matt Hyman's, their second company in the payment space. And I worked with them for a very, very long time. And I honestly attribute my success to the opportunities that Zach and Matt gave me early on. Yeah. I I'm mean, eternally were, grateful to those guys. It, you must be because you were with them for a while and then you were with Spot On as well. And you were one of the first few people in person on sales team or like, I'd love to hear about how early you joined and then the journey to it being a three plus billion dollar company. Like I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah, and one of the reasons I'm so excited you're here is because I want Lunchbox to have the same crazy effect here, but would love to hear how was that transition like and how early did you join? Spot on originally started in like 2011 as a tablet based loyalty company. And I was still at CPay working there. I was the national training director traveling around the country, training salespeople how to sell merchant services. And they were building out the loyalty product. And so spot on launched as a tablet based loyalty company back in like 2011 when belly card and level up and five stars, all of this kind of hit the market at the same time. And it was, it was a great adventure. It was fast, fast, fast and furious. 
Um, and we were selling our product into SMBs throughout the country. And um, we sold that product for about two years and then determined that it needed to be more. And so Zach and Matt went to work like building out a lot of the things that you see today. And at that point, I exited and went and worked for a couple of other organizations. I worked for a gateway, worked for a boutique hardware distributor out of Atlanta. And then when Zach and Matt were looking to get into the POS space because I'd been around restaurants. I'd been around POS. We, you know, towards the, my last couple of years at CPAY, we partnered with a small POS company and I sold quite a few of those and I helped bring that product in. I talked to Zach in 2018 and he told me, you know, their desire to get into the restaurant POS space and they made an acquisition. And Zach asked me if I wanted to come back and be part of the team and help them kind of stand that, that division of the company up. And so I did, I came back and was there for about four years, taking, you know, 625 million up to $3.6 billion company. That's amazing. That's a, can't wait for your next company to interview you about a a similar transition at Lunchbox. Oh, Uh, I don't know. I think like, I I wanted to say spot on was my last ride. And then I came to Lunchbox. So maybe this will be my last ride. You know, you're, you're, you, I think you're addicted to the game more than the the score. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting old. So why'd you come here? How'd you, how did we convince you to join us? And uh, first of all, it was like, I think when we first were able to get you here, the number of people who told me like, oh, you guys are, this is serious. Like, you know, this validates you guys as a company. Like the amount of comments that was similar to that was enormous, right? Uh-huh. So it's a huge testament to what you've built out there, the relationship you built with uh, NRA and every other major groups out there. So like, how did we convince you to come join us? You know, what was that like? You know, it's interesting because I really try, like every day that I get up and I come to my desk, I try to take a moment It's easy to get like bogged down in like all the things, but I always try to look at like, what is the big picture here? Let's see what the big picture is. And so, you know, I made a very, 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 probably my hardest decision I've ever made in my career to leave spot on. I mean, that was my home. Those were my people. Those are my friends. Like I miss my friends dearly at spot on and I'm still very much in touch with a lot of them on a weekly basis, but it was time for me to go. And that's fine, right? It's it's okay. It's time for people. There comes time for somebody to move on. And I was actually going to take some time off and just like recharge my batteries. I think you did I not do that. that at all. I did not get to do that at all. But when I chatted with you for the first time and you told me about the plan for Lunchbox, you know, Lunchbox V1, Lunchbox V2, kind of where you were looking to take the company. Like I saw the big picture. And for me, I always look at things like if I could just come in and move the needle a foot, if I can move it two feet, even better. But if I can come in and make a mark selfishly, make a mark on the company, help take it to the next level, like that's another feather in my cap and like tease me up for if I want a next venture, like what that next venture could possibly look like. I think it was huge for us. I think, you know, I've told you this privately, but you were the first really industry leader who joined us. And after that, the domino effect started of 
you know, everyone we started recruiting, Alan from Vromo, Earl from Monkey Media, Christopher Seeds, and just it goes on and on and on. So we're grateful for you. I mean, the momentum you started is pretty incredible. And uh, we talk about it offline. So this is not, none of this is news. Right, 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 right. It's, you know what, it's been a wild journey. Like there's, I taught, I almost reference this daily, but the post that Sandy, head of people shared in regards to like the life cycle of a startup. Like I read that before Sandy posted it. I read it on LinkedIn. She and I followed like the, we follow the same person who wrote it. And it really, really resonated with me. What was the post? So the life cycle of a startup. So when you start a tech company, you have this core group of people, right? You've got your founders and then they bring in people to help get this company. Yes, friends primarily, right? So you put together your founders, you guys built a product, you brought your friends in to help get it off the ground, you got it off the ground. Here we are four years later, and those founding folks got Lunchbox to where it is today. And they've done a fantastic job. Now we're at this pivotal point where we need to take a leap to that next level. And sometimes, the original people, and I put myself in the same bucket with spot on, right? The original people might not be the ones to take you to that next level. So you have to hire in a, an additional set of talent, right? Some people who've been there to, to get the company to that next level or whatnot. And so like every day that post resonates with me because we're making a lot of changes inside of Lunchbox. We're making changes to be more efficient. We're making changes to be more appealing. We're making changes where we really are doubling down on our product and our stability of our product and how quickly we can launch folks and where are we really good at and how do we hone in on this goodness and how do we get better on these pieces? And to me, that's the exciting part. Like I thrive on change. I know a lot of people hate it, but like, I love change. I love to see where something is and let's take and implement this. And then you get like this new result. And like, that's what drives me every single day. It's like seeing the change happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I know you like change because you cause so much of it here. More importantly, leaders have a lot of job that is not in the job description. And one of them is calling each other out. And I think you and I do a very good job of that. I think you call me out often. One of the first things you did was, hey, Nabil, I'm going to come and fix and build partnerships here in the company with other incredible companies. That will be a huge way for us to succeed. You need to change X, Y, and Z and grow as a leader for us to do that. I thought that was a very tough conversation. I leaned in because I, you know, I promised you I would. And tell me a little bit about that. Is that something you've done forever? Is you seem to have a lot of hard conversations upwards, downwards. Would love to hear a little bit about that. And we were doing it even yesterday. Even yesterday, you gave me some feedback, which I thought was awesome. Let's talk a little bit about that. Look, I think that it takes like an army for each one of us to be the best version of ourselves. And that army can comprise of like not only people in your home that you live with, but the people that you spend the majority of your time with. And even though we're remote, like you and I spend a lot of time together. And look, I've always been a disruptor. You can ask anybody I've ever worked with. Like I cause a lot of drama. I stir the pot. Look, I just get in trouble at spot on all the time. Like I know if I have like a really sticky conversation with somebody in the organization, like five minutes after I get off the phone phone with them, 
I was getting a call from Zach Hyman because they were going straight to Zach to like rat on me for being the transparent, non-filtered human that I am. But look, at the end of the day, we don't have a bunch of time to mess around. Like this is a fast, fast game and we've got to move fast and break things. So like if we're just constantly like holding things back and like not putting it on the table, I think we're doing each other a big and the company a big disservice. Like if something's not working, like if I don't see that it's working and I tell you, I don't think this is working, I am happy for you to tell me I'm absolutely wrong and I will take that all day long. Look, I'm first to call somebody out, but I'm also first to say, you know what, I screwed up. I dropped the ball on this, let me go fix it. And I'm happy to do that. But I think that you and I formed like this really awesome, not only like workship, but I think we formed a friendship and like I lean on you. And just like yesterday when we were chatting, I was like, tell me, what can I do better? And you did, you said, you need to be nicer. That's not the first time I've heard that. And you're not the first person who have told me that, but you know what? Sometimes I'm just a little, I, I like to use the word unfiltered. My husband says crass and crass is probably a better adjective for it, but I just call it like I see it. And like, it's tough if you wear your feelings on your sleeve to work with me, unfortunately. And I think like, but if you work for me, you know that I'm like your biggest cheerleader and like, I will go to hell and back for you and kill myself doing it. But I think that if you ask anybody who has ever reported directly to me, there's a lot of loyalty there. Like not to pat myself on the back, but like all of the folks that have worked for me over the years, like I have great relationships with all of them. I know, we, and we leverage so many of those relationships to unblock us so often, so I can vouch for that. Hey, uh, something else we have in common is we, we talk about health a lot, and you are, you might be, you know, the strongest executive on our executive team, yeah? You're, you are, you're a certified CrossFit coach, you lift some serious weights. Tell me about how you got into that, and we'd love to hear about the importance of that, because I think it's the most important thing you can do for work, to go work out. So, totally I mean, you and I talk about that often. Yep. So I'm getting ready to celebrate my 11th year of CrossFit. And I will admit that I'm not doing as much like in-class CrossFit work. I'm still doing the movements, the lifting, that sort of thing. And those type of like structured workouts, I'm not trying to beat a clock anymore. Like I am getting a little bit older and like for me, it's not as important to, to beat a clock. It's more important to move and move properly and move efficiently and continue to get a little bit stronger, but more importantly, be healthy and fit so that I can live a long, healthy life. So almost 11 years in, I decided to jump in this journey because I had seen a picture of myself that someone posted from a soccer tournament with my oldest daughter. And it was a picture of all the moms. And I was the most unfit mom in the picture. And when I saw that, I said, okay, it is time to take control of myself and to focus a little bit on me. Because for the last, you know, how many ever years it was, like I was really focused on work and I was focused on being a mom. I like, you know, three kids, four kids at that time. And three of them played very, very high competitive level sports. So I was always running. I was on, you know, in every corner of the country with soccer and whatever else. And so I decided at that point that I was going to make myself a priority. And I put myself, I went on paleo 
And I did paleo for an entire year, very, very, very strict and started CrossFit. And I was doing CrossFit five to six times a week consistently. And I lost 55 pounds in the first year. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 55 I saw the pounds. photos. You showed me the before and afters, like two different humans. Wild. Yeah. It's really, really wild. And so I've been able to kind of maintain that, but I've been able to like learn about my body and what my body needs for fuel and what it doesn't need. And like, look, I'm not like one of those like people who, oh my God, I'm not going to have a cocktail or, oh my God, I'm not going to have whatever. Like I am. we've, We've dined together and you know that I love the wine and I love the cocktails and I love the food, but I think there's a great opportunity to ever, for everybody to live like an 80-20 rule, 80% well, yeah. and then 20% is your weekends, your parties, your whatever, but like that 20% can't turn into 50 and then it can't turn into 60 and sometimes that's what happens. So you really have to be able to say, 80, 20 and really stick at it because I've learned that and learned what my body needs and what it doesn't like. And I've been able to, I live a great life. I have cocktails and I pretty much eat what I want, but I also know like when I need to stop. I love it. Last question. We had an awesome leadership offsite less than two months ago. Definitely one to two months. Favorite thing from our leadership offsite that you remember, recall? Favorite thing. First of all, it was great just to be in the same room with all of the leaders of the company and really kind of get to know each other like outside of Zoom and face to face because several of those folks I had not gotten the pleasure to meet in person and really just connecting like more on a personal level because I think it's important like when you're working with people and you got to go like head to head with them like you know, kind of what makes them tick a little bit so you can use it to your advantage. No, I'm just kidding. I'm really probably not kidding. But I think my favorite activity, we've done so many activities that, that week. I loved when we all got to make pasta together. That was great. That was so much fun. Drinking wine and making pasta with like your we leadership. We had too much wine that night. I did have a lot of wine, but that yeah. was like food. Making pasta and with your leadership team, like we all got to work as individuals, but I think you got to see like how people approached things and how, like what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it. Like Jim, if you remember, he was really excited to roll the pasta through the he little He was thing. competitive. He was, he wanted to be the best pasta out there. And to me, like that says a lot about Jim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think like you got to learn people that you work with outside of just like the work because I think you learn so much more about them than just like, okay, we're on a leadership meeting and let's talk about sales numbers. Let's talk about onboarding numbers. Let's talk about inch numbers, that sort of thing. Like it really helps you figure out how people take and like how you can work better with them. One thing that I've, I've done as a leader is I love for people to take the Enneagram. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I love for us to share as a group what our numbers are. And then the excerpt of like, here is who they are. And because, how you work with them. Oh my God. Like, I am a firm believer in it because I'm an Enneagram 8. And Wait, if everyone it, knows the R8. Anyone who yeah. knows Enneagram knows the R8. <laughs> yes. If you read it, you know, like it's me to a T. I probably don't even have wings because none of those, maybe a three would be no, fit. You're an eight. But interesting fact, almost every person with the exception of a few that I've hired are all threes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a three. Yeah, which are achievers. And Enneagram eight needs achievers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yep. Enneagram threes need eights because threes care a lot about uh, not 
breaking everything in the process, and it's like I would like to break some of it. So yeah. it's a, it's a nice partnership. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was a great podcast. This is my favorite Aww. one. Christy, thank you so much for not only being an incredible leader I look up to, being one of our incredible leaders at Lunchbox, but for spending some time and sharing your wisdom with the rest of the, the folks that watch our podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Always fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.